Um, I gotta tell you, I tried really hard to get my family to have like Father's Month. It didn't go over very well. So then I said, well, what about Father's Week? Can I get a week out of it? That didn't go over very well. But I was able to get a little bit of an early and extended Father's Day. We were on vacation this last week vacation with my parents. And so we actually celebrated Father's Day in our house a couple days early, but I've stretched it all the way to today. So that's the secret, dads, is instead of asking for a whole week, just say, well, can we start a little early and then you stretch it for the next couple days? So that's what we did in our house and our family got to have a great Father's Day celebration a couple days ago with me and my dad as well. They live up in Ohio, so it's great to be able to do that together. But I'll tell you, as dads, we have certain things that we expect on Father's Day. But I would expect that my kids will make me a card that I won't be able to read, and that's okay. It's the thought that counts. I expect that we will grill out later on today for dinner. Uh, there's certain expectations that we have on a day like today. But what's really neat is when those expectations get blown out of the water, right? When you get so surprised, when your expectations are actually exceeded, when people around you that love you go above and beyond, that's when something really special happens. And that's what happened a couple days ago. My dad and I, we wake up, we kind of wander into the kitchen and our ki my kids and my wife, they went above and beyond. They had the tablecloth set out. They had a bunch of cards all out. They had made breakfast. And when I mean breakfast, I mean like breakfast. You know the difference? There's breakfast and then there's breakfast. We had breakfast, we had donuts. They went above and beyond. It was awesome. Totally surprised, totally didn't expect it, exceeded my expectations, and something happens inside of us when we experience that, right? When somebody else around us, when they respond in a very unexpected way, unexpected kindness, unexpected love, when they go out of your way, when they break the script completely, something happens that's very special. And it actually changes the environment. It changes the relationship. It changes even your relationship with God. Something unique and special happens when people around you respond in such an unexpected way like that. So I want to say, as we're walking through this, how to respond in life, the my life and my response and how we respond to life, how we respond to the other people, those unexpected responses, we're talking about the kindness unexpected responses. There's other versions of unexpected responses. That's for another day. But for this one, unexpected responses, those unexpected acts of love and kindness going out of their way for you, unexpected responses produce expected results. And here's what I mean by that. You know without a doubt when you do something unexpected for someone else, you know what it's going to do in their life. You know what's going to happen. That's why we do surprise parties. That's why you surprise your spouse with a gift on your anniversary. That's why you enjoy being surprised in those ways. That's why when I woke up on our Father's Day celebration last week, I walked in the kitchen. I was blown away and felt so loved and so appreciated, so valued. When our expectations are exceeded, we can expect something great to happen. Unexpected responses produce expected results. We know we know it's going to do something special. We know it's going to create something powerful in that person and in that relationship. So what I want you to be thinking through, we're going to go through a story where we're going to be looking at several of these unexpected responses and what it's going to do in the end. But as we go through it, I want you to be thinking through 
unexpected responses, not just to the people around us, but to life itself. So if you have your Bible, head over to 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to see a story, a surprise response, a response that no one would have expected, a response that no one even would have imagined, a response that no one would have thought about. And we're going to see King David respond in a very unexpected way that we're going to see something great happen from it. Now, I got to give you a little context. 2 Samuel chapter 9 picks up towards the end or kind of the middle beginning of David's reign, but towards the end of this bigger story. And it's a very dramatic story, very soap opera-like story. So let me give you the context. You had King Saul, who was started out as a good king over all of God's people, turned out to be a bad king. So God decided to raise up another king. That king was going to be David. That's the David and Goliath David. So you have this weird dynamic for a season where King Saul, evil King Saul, is technically still on the throne. But God has raised up a new king. He's just not on the throne yet. Imagine that tension when you have King Saul, but nobody likes, and God has already said, I'm done with you. I'm going to raise up a new king, but he's not technically king yet, but I've already said that he's going to be king. So as soon as you're out of the picture, evil King Saul, this new king is going to take your place. That was a very strange, weird, intense dynamic for some time. Of course, evil King Saul hated the idea. So instead of welcoming new King David into the throne and into the palace and began to show him the ropes on how to be king, no, he actually did the exact opposite. He chased after David. He threatened his life. He actually tried to kill David on numerous occasions. So that's the dynamic that David had walked into. Eventually, King Saul, evil King Saul died, and now you have good King David king that was actually called, here's a man after God's own heart, own heart. And now that king, King David, is now on the throne. He's been very successful in his campaigns. He's been victorious. He's been a great king so far, but obviously it's been a very long road to get to the throne. So that's the big picture context. And what we're going to pick up here is now that he's got the throne, King David, now that he's beginning to find his way as king, I want to pick up right here because he does something unbelievably unexpected, something no other king would have ever thought to do. Second Samuel chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Here's the scene. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul, evil King Saul, whom I can show, what's the word there? Show what? Kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now, real quick about Jonathan. Let's add to the dramatic soap opera story that is King David's life. You have evil King Saul. Then you have evil King Saul had a son. That's Jonathan. Jonathan and David were actually good friends, which made it even more weird because Jonathan's dad, evil King Saul, hated David. Imagine going over to your friend's house and the dad hates you. It's just a weird dynamic. So that's what, da that's what David was dealing with. He said, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show, what was the word again? Kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's household, Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked again, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Now understand what David is looking for here. He is looking for someone in the family of evil King Saul that tried to kill good King David. He's looking for anyone, part of Saul's family, that he could show, what was the word again? Kindness to. Unexpected response number one. We're gonna look at three of them. List of three unexpected responses. The first one is this, search for it. That kind of kindness is unbelievably unexpected, especially in a context like David's here. 
See, there's kind of these levels of kindness, and, and I would say the expected level of kindness is, hey, when something happens to me or the people that I love or the people that I know, I'm expected to show some level of kindness there. So that's expected. When something happens, I'll do my best, I'll do what I can, I'll be kind. That's kind of an entry level, a basic version of kindness. But then we grow in our kindness and kind of up it a little bit to the point of, I'm gonna have open eyes, I'm gonna keep my head up, and I'm gonna be looking for opportunities to be kind. I'm looking for the people around me. I'm looking for opportunities throughout my life and in each of my environments that I find myself in throughout the day. I'm looking and keeping my eyes open for opportunities to be kind. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. But then you have this extreme version of kindness that David responds with. And that extreme version says, I don't know who needs it. I don't even know if this person exists, but I am going to find out. I am going to look. I'm going to search out and seek out someone to show this kind of kindness to. I mean, these are two very ex different extremes. One end says, well, when it happens, I'll be kind. The other says, I'm going to go look for it. I'm going to actively search for it. So he begins to ask. King David says, is there anyone left in Saul's house? Anybody? Does anybody know of anybody that is related to Saul. And nobody can think of somebody until they say, well, I remember his servant Ziba, ask, ask him, maybe he knows. So he summons him in. Do you know of anybody? You worked with Saul. Do you know anybody that's still left in his house? Because Saul is dead. His son Jonathan is dead. Many of his family members are dead. So he's like, I'm just trying to find someone. David doesn't stop. He keeps looking and looking, looking for someone to show, one more time, what was the word? kindness to. And in that second part, it actually says God's kindness. He's responding in a very different way, responding with kindness in a context that would have made this very, very unexpected. Now, kindness is kind of a, an odd word, and it's difficult to define it. You usually define it by something specific that happens. You know it when you see it, when you experience it, when you feel it. You can say, that was kind, but it's hard to pinpoint this is kindness. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three words that are going to help you tangibly wrap your head and even hands around kindness, like what David showed, what we're going to see here in a moment, show one of Saul's household, one of his family members. Here they are, and they all start with A's, because I'm a preacher, and anytime we do anything, we all have to have everything start with the same letter. So here they are, the three A's of kindness, admiration. You admire somebody, you are just in awe of them, admiration, appreciation, that's the encouragement piece, gratitude, thankfulness and attention, admiration, appreciation, and attention. When you give someone those three A's, when you admire them, when you appreciate them, when you just give them your attention, that is powerful. Kindness, that level of kindness is unbelievably powerful, especially when it's unexpected. You tie those two together, unexpected admiration unexpected appreciation, unexpected. Oh, you go through each of those. It's unbelievably the power, unbelievable the power that it holds. My wife, Becky, she discovered this early on in our marriage, before we had kids and early on in our marriage. You know, we're still figuring out what it means to be married and live with each other. And we're trying to figure out the different chores and, and life tasks, family tasks that we each have. And I remember her asking me early on in our marriage, Brian, will you take out the trash? And I'm like, you have two great feet. Why don't you do it? Not the right thing to say if you're newlyweds or married or thinking about marriage or would like to stay married. Not something you say. But I was like, what, what's the big deal? We're, we're both in this together. We're partners. Still the wrong thing to say in there. I backtrack. 
So I finally was like, whatever, whatever, I'll go and get the trash. And she did something one time that blew just my mind. And all of my expectations were just blown up, surprised me like no other. So I finally begrudgingly said, fine, I'll go get the trash. I go over to get the trash. I pull it out of the can and I hear my wife go from the other room, woo! I'm like, yes? She's like, look at those muscles! I go over the trash and I'm like, that's right. <laughs> and I picked that trash bag out of that trash can. I flung that trash bag over my shoulder. And the whole way out the front door, my wife is just a whistling and a hollering at me. And I'm just like, yeah, that's right. Your hubby's got the trash. I'm taking it to the dumpster. Check it out as I go. And she is just amazed at how well and how good I look taking the trash out of our house. I get it out to the dumpster. And I'm like, that was awesome. I walk in, in the house again. I say, hey, babe, got any more trash that needs to be picked up? If you see any trash, any cans that need to be emptied, I'm your man. And that went on. I exaggerate a little bit, but not by much. And it went on and several, and I emphasize several years later, I was at a men's retreat and the guy speaking had been married for a very long time and he told a very similar story. And I said, they know. <laughs> like, it's not just like there's, and my eyes got huge and I was like, she tricked me into taking out the trash, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> So even now, after I know what she's doing, instead of saying, no, 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 you're manipulating me, I say, I'm gonna take the trash out twice a day because <laughs> I like what happens when I take the trash out. I get noticed, I get appreciated, I get attention. There's something powerful. There's something powerful when someone responds with kindness and love in a very unexpected way. Here's a quote from Bob Carey. He says it in this way. He says, unexpected kindness. Again, we're not talking the typical kindness, the, the normal kindness, the expected kindness. This is the one that breaks the script. This is the above and beyond kindness. Unexpected kindness is the most powerful, least costly, and most underrated agent of human change. Oh, and I totally agree. When you show that level of kindness and it's unexpected, it's powerful. David's tapping into that. Unexpected kindness, he is searching for someone in Saul's household, regardless of what Saul had done to him, the difficulties that Saul had brought onto David, he says, I want to find someone in his family that I can show kindness to. And it was unexpected. So here's the next part of the story. He finally is having a conversation with one of Saul's former servants, Ziba. Here's what he says. Ziba answered the king, yes, there is still a son of Jonathan. Remember, evil king Saul, then Jonathan was Saul's son. So this would be referring to Saul's grandson. There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet or a cripple. Verse four, where is he? King David asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Emil, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Machir, son of Emil. When Mephibosheth, try to say that 10 times fast. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. Look what David said. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, 
for I will surely show you, see that word again, kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Now look at what he does. Look at what he does next. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Verse eight, here's Mephibosheth's response to David, David's response. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant, talking about himself, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Completely unexpected. Unexpected response number two. Put a 10 on them. Put a 10 on them. We walk around our lives evaluating, that's a nicer word than saying judging, but it's true, that's what we do. We walk around and we judge and we evaluate every other person we come in contact with, right? And, and we are constantly giving them some kind of a, of a score because we wanna see how well they do before we do anything else. Before we respond, before we step into a relationship, before we take a next step in a relationship, we wanna know what's in it for me. I see this with my kids, right? I have jobs for them to do around the house and I'll say, hey, before we go outside, I need you to go up and clean your room, make your bed, do all that stuff. So they go upstairs, they do it, they come back down three and a half seconds later, we're done! I say, to your standard or to my standard? Same question, anytime they say I'm done with something. Is it my standard or yours? And then they go back upstairs. Then they come back down probably three minutes later. I'm like, well, let me go upstairs. I walk in and I evaluate their, their work. I look at their progress and I think in my head, eh, not bad, not great. I'll give you a 5.7 on cleaning your room. Not bad, not great. You did what I asked, kind of, right? We go to work and the people that we work with, you start to evaluate their, their helpfulness to you. You're working on a project. Maybe it's just even relational, the person you sit next to. Just over time in the conversations, you start to even evaluate that person and how good of a worker they are. And you're thinking, eh, 6.2. I'm definitely better than they are, definitely. Right, you do this when you come to church. Did you know that? You naturally do this when you come to church. You come in and you just listen to Patrick sing his heart and soul out. And you're like, eh, not bad. I've heard better. And then Brian gets up and preaches his heart and soul to you as well. And you're thinking like, ah, that was a good point, but too long. (laughs) And you sit there and you think, it's a little warm in here too, by the way. But there's root beer floats today. And so throughout the entire day, you're just evaluating. And then by the end of it, you're like, you know what? I'll give today an 8.9. It's worth coming back, but nothing to write home about. (laughs) It's okay. Right, we do this throughout our lives in all kinds of different scenarios, all kinds of different environments, all kinds of different relationships. We're constantly evaluating how did they do? What did they do? What do I get out of it? Is this worth it? Is it worthwhile? Should I invest into this relationship or not? And what's interesting, if you go back and you look at how they talk to each other, when you looked at how Ziba talked about Mephibosheth, how David talked to Mephibosheth, and how Mephibosheth actually talked about himself, vastly different. Because David did something unexpected. He put a tin on him before anybody else did. When Mephibosheth walked into the room, he said, Mephibosheth, I'm so glad you're here. He gave him a tin before he did anything, before he knew anything. He said, you're a tin before you've done anything anything, before you offer anything. Understand, this relationship that David was getting into, Mephibosheth could offer David nothing. David had nothing to benefit from Mephibosheth. It was a one-sided relationship that was solely David giving unexpected kindness. 
But again, look at the different responses they had. So Ziba responded in a way, notice he never said Mephibosheth's first name. He called him son of Jonathan, and he also called him a cripple. He's lame in both feet. Never once, once did Saul's former servant actually mention this man by his name. Not once. He talked about what he could do or what he couldn't do, what family he was part of, but never focused in on who he actually was, which is what David did. David, the moment he saw him, said, Mephibosheth, called him by his first name, focused on who he was, not what he could or could not do. Who he was, not what he could offer David. This was not a strategic king relationship. And what's even more interesting is how Mephibosheth referred to himself. At the very end of this conversation, verse eight, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, remember his words, what is your servant, he's talking about himself, that you should notice a dead dog like me. So Ziba didn't even use his first name. Mephibosheth viewed himself as a dead dog. And David does something completely unexpected. No, I care about you. You're a 10 before you've done anything, before you've said anything, before you've shown what you could or could not do. Doesn't matter who your grandfather was. Matters who you are. Unexpected response number two, put a 10 on him. Before they do anything, before they prove anything, it's not what they can or cannot do. It's not what they can do to, for you. It's not what they can offer you. It's not what you can gain from them. It's who they are. First and foremost, who they are. Dale Carnegie said it in this way. He said, there is one all-important law of human conduct. If we obey that law, we shall almost never get into trouble. In fact, that law, if obeyed, will bring us countless friends and constant happiness. But the very instant we break the law, we shall get into endless trouble. Here it is. The law is this. Always make the other person feel important. I love that. Before they prove anything, always make them feel important. That's what David did. And it was unbelievably unexpected. Remember, don't forget David's context. Evil King Saul chased after David, literally tried to kill David. David was on the run until Saul died. And then David was able to come in and take the throne, which God had called him to. And regardless, David responded in a way no other king would, no other person would have ever dreamed of in a very unbelievably unexpected way. So unexpected response number one, you gotta search for it. David went out looking for someone to show this level of kindness to. Didn't wait for it to land in his lap or to present itself. He went out looking for it. Expected response number two, put a 10 on them. Doesn't matter what they can do. Doesn't matter anything. It's who they are. And they're a 10. You treat them as such. Here's the third unexpected response, but we need to see the end of the story to get there. Last part of the story, verse 13. And Mephibosheth, who was crippled in both feet, lived in Jerusalem and ate, what's this word here? Ate regularly, regularly at the king's table. See, it'd be very easy for us to read this story and say, you know, that's a good idea, King David. You're a new king. You're coming under, uh, underneath a, a very controversial season with King Saul and you at odds with each other. King Saul's dead, Jonathan's dead, and now David's this new king. This would have been a great PR stunt. 
It's great for the cameras. It looks great on social media. Oh, look, King David is bringing one of Saul's grandsons who's a cripple. Let's help. Oh, how nice is it? It's a great PR stunt for the camera, but how often did he continue to show this level of kindness? It was regularly. This was not a one and done thing. See, we often think, oh, this kindness is a kind moment. Those random acts of kindness. Man, I'm a fan of those, but not only those. One and not done is what David does. Unexpected response number three, one and not done. One and done again and again and again and again. Because what this last verse in 13 tells us, says he lived in Jerusalem, meaning David moved him. Where you used to live, no, 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 you're gonna live with me now. So he moved him. So you're gonna be with me in my house and you're gonna eat at my table. This is King David. This is the king's table. Not everybody gets to eat at the king's table. David said, no, you're gonna eat at my table whenever you want. How often? As many times as you want. So that Mephibosheth ate regularly, now lived in Jerusalem and ate regularly at the king's table. Unexpected. No one would have ever expected David to respond in such a way. But he went looking for it. He treated him like a 10 before he did or showed anything. No benefit for David whatsoever. But it impacted Mephibosheth for the rest of his life. To the point of he ate at the king's table anytime he wanted. Regularly ate at the king's table. Go back to where this all started. It all started when David just started looking for someone. And I would ask you to make this real for you, for you and make it personal in your own life. Who is that one? Because of course, David couldn't do this for everybody in the kingdom. He couldn't do this for everybody in Saul's family. But that wasn't the, the, the excuse to not go through with it. Often we do that. Well, I can't do it for everyone. If I do it for one, I gotta do it for everyone. Not necessarily. We cannot show this level of kindness to every single person we come in contact with, but we can for one or two or maybe three, four. In different seasons of our lives, we can break the script. We can respond in an unexpected way with our love and our kindness. So go back to what David started with. Who can I show this kind of kindness to? Who is it? I would encourage you to make that your prayer. God, put somebody on my heart. Who can I respond in such an unexpected way with? Who in my life, God, needs this level of kindness from me? I tell you to start with your family. Dads, let me talk to you for a second. This isn't just for dads, but I'm a dad, and if you're a dad, it's Father's Day. Give me a minute on this one. Imagine the results. Imagine the impact you could have on your kids if you responded in a way like this. If you responded with unexpected kindness again and again and again with your kids, that you sought out, not just waited for opportunities to show them the admiration and attention and appreciation, but you sought it out intentionally. And then you put a 10 on them. It doesn't matter what grades you bring home. It doesn't matter if you strike out at the ball field. It doesn't matter if you missed it. It matters that you are my son and you are my daughter. And you're a 10 because of who you are, not what you have done or what you can do or what you can't do or what I can gain from you. You're a 10. And you do it every single moment of every single day. What might happen in your family, dads? Maybe it's your spouse that needs that unexpected kindness. Things 
tend to just go to status quo, don't they? Without work, your spouse and marriages, they start to feel like roommates. Oh, it's a good business arrangement. We live under the same roof. We get things done together. But we're missing the unexpected kindness and love part. I don't know who it is for you, but there's gotta be a name that God starts to put on your heart. Just as David said, I wanna show unexpected kindness to somebody. Who is that person for you? And we have to ask the how question because it's difficult. This kind of love and this kind of kindness is very difficult. Again, don't, don't neglect David's context. Most people in David's situation would say, I'm going after Saul's family and making sure they never come after me again. Oftentimes we respond to life first. And what David does is very different. In fact, it's very unexpected. He responds out of something very different and it has nothing to do with his situation and his life circumstance. Let me put this up on the screen, Psalm 63. If you don't know Psalms, mostly written by David, but not completely written by David. But Psalms is basically a bunch of responses to life and a bunch of responses to God in our life. And I believe this response that David writes helps pave the way for this type of response to other people. Here it is. Because your love, that's talking about God's love. God, because your love is better than life, here's what I will do. God, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. What David does here to Mephibosheth is a example. It is glorifying God lived out. That kind of unexpected love and kindness is glorifying God. Even Jesus said, if you do this to the least of these, you've done it to me. And I believe that David responds to God's love before he responds to life. And oftentimes we flip those. We respond to life first. I can't believe this happened. Can't believe this is going on. And because of that, we can't respond to the people and God in our lives. David flips it around. I will respond to God's love before I respond to life. God, your love your love, not my life. God, your love is better than everything in my life. And because of your love, not my life, God, but because of your love, I will glorify you. I will show kindness to other people. How different would your life look if you flipped your response, that you respond to God before you respond to life, that you respond to God's love in your life before you respond to the life that you have been dealt? Oh, how different would we respond to other people? Because then we get to see God's love for the greatness that it is. Romans 5.8 says, here's how God showed his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't get any bigger than that. It doesn't get any grander or greater than that. Respond to God's love before you respond to the life that you have, the life that you've been dealt, the life that you are dealing with. God, because of your great love, your love that's better than life, I will Begin to fill in the blanks. How will you respond to him and the people around you? I know on a day like this, on Father's Day, that word father means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For some people, it is an emotionally draining day. For some people, it is a heartbreaking day. Father might bring up memories of loss, memories of the negative side of unexpected, and everywhere in between, the good, the bad, the ugly, and in between. And what I would hope and pray is that on today especially, you would associate that kind of love that David recognizes out of Psalm 63, you would associate that kind of love to your heavenly father. 
because the love that he has for you is greater than life. It's greater than anything you can imagine. That kind of love is beyond our expectations, beyond anything we could possibly imagine. It's that kind of love that he has for us. And because of that love, may we do what David did and show unexpected kindness to the people around us. Here's what I'm gonna have us do. If you'll just close your eyes for a moment, I want to give you this moment of recognition specifically. I want you to recognize first and foremost, you're a 10 in God's eyes. You're a 10. You don't do anything to earn it. You haven't done anything to deserve it. You won't do anything to earn or deserve it. You're a 10 to him. Not because of what you can do, not because of what you have done. It's not because of anything you can do to benefit him. It's because of who you are. And in God's eyes, you are his son. You are his daughter. Recognize that you are a child of God. And he loves you and pours out kindness to you that is beyond your expectation, beyond what you can wrap your mind around. For some of you, that might be the first time that you have truly recognized you as a child of God and God as your heavenly father. And from that, may we respond. Respond to our spouse, respond to our kids, our families, our coworkers, our neighbors, our community, even how we view ourselves. May we respond to the love of God, our heavenly father that is greater than life instead of responding to life. Father God, thank you so much for being just that, our heavenly Father, that loves us more than we know, that loves us more than we can imagine, that loves us more than we could ever expect or dream of. For no other reason than we are your kids. God, help us to never forget that fact. You love us as your own kids and you are our Father. Regardless of the meanings and emotions that come up when we say the word Father. God, may your great love be the only thing that defines you as our heavenly Father. And as we see how that love impacts our lives, God, may we respond in similar ways. May we respond like David did when he recognized the greatness of your love, how he responded to the people in his life. May we do the same. As we recognize your great love for us, may we respond to the people in our lives with that same unexpected love and that same unexpected kindness that changes lives, that changes relationships, that changes the environment. But it comes back to your love. And we declare, maybe for the first time, that we are your children. Thank you for being our Father.